Episode 2 of It's All Part of the Plan, DC Talk right here on Get Into Geek. My name is Mitch, and if you missed our first episode of the return of our DC TV Talk last podcast, it's going to be a bit of a mixed bag for the next couple of weeks. When we decided to start getting back into DC TV talk, it was early last year, 2021. Batwoman Season 2 was about to drop, and we thought, what better time than to start talking about these shows as they started coming back, a new season of a new show. Let's get into it. I started recording some episodes. For whatever reason, they never got produced, they never got published, they never went to air. And about six or eight weeks ago, I decided to hit go once again. Let's get back into it. I'll start dropping all those episodes that I'd recorded way back when, while also discussing some live news and events and coverage of what's going on in the world of DC entertainment. And then the CW decided to kill off most of the content that we're going to be talking about. But I still thought, hey, I've got some in the bag. Let's start publishing them while we also talk about some live news along the way. Eventually, we'll catch up to the shows. And we're also covering what's happening in current events as we do it. We're also covering the shows as they were released. So last week's first podcast back into DC TV talk was all about Batwoman Season 2 Episode 1. It aired by itself. It had a whole week to its own run and it was the case for the next three weeks after that. So for the first four podcasts, we will only be talking about Batwoman and then in a couple of weeks we'll introduce what was at the time the premiere episode of Superman and Lois. But before we get into this week's review, which is Batwoman Season 2 Episode to we have some things to talk about and for the first time in a little while here on the dc talk version of get into geek we're joined by a second guest so it's less about listening to me and someone else instead although i dare say considering we are going to talk about black adam he is the black adam of the dc get into geek family <laughs> he is the anti-hero of dc live action talk here on get into geek maddie gibson welcome along sir what am i doing here for a dc talk well i DC think live action what i i invited you under false pretenses to talk about marvel and lo and behold you're here i said let's talk about a little bit of dc because uh you know there's some yeah. stuff that's happened since our last episode Episode. So uh, now that you're here, um, I've locked you. You actually can't end the phone call and the Skype chat. <laughs> so um, we'll uh, we'll get you stuck here for a couple of minutes until at least I start to talk about the actual episodes of DCTV, and you can just get the f- out of here. I thought they all got cancelled. Uh, look. They most have, yes, and uh, <laughs> as I had to do, as you know, I've been talking to you uh, off the mic for so long about wanting to get back into this and you're like why they're terrible i'm like sure but you know people are asking for the dc stuff we do marvel stuff they've asked for dc and i'd recorded these like six months ago some of them a lot longer than that and as i'm like all right here we go we're finally going to produce them next week they're going what oh oh, that's okay that's cancelled that's cancelled that's cancelled so now i'm talking about the shows toward their eventual cancellation i and can't wait endings. to 2025 when you start talking about gotham knights when it gets cancelled oh <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. Even, okay, look, maybe I'll bring you back for next episode because that trailer did release a lot longer ago than Black Adam, but uh, I haven't rewatched it, and I would like to talk about that because uh, <laughs> I think that was your first comment to me uh, in our uh, messenger chat. Was yeah, they should just go ahead and and just skip out the middleman and just cancel this already. Yeah, I can't so. wait till that gets cancelled. <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, the Black Adam trailer after what seems like I don't know eighteen years of talking about this movie and The Rock and. However many times he's had to say the phrase, 
the power hierarchy within the DC universe is about to change or whatever that quote is. Like by this point, I think the last time I heard him say it when he was teasing the trailer coming, even he sounded bored with it because he has had to keep teasing this film for so long. And I know we got like a little bit of a teaser in the sizzle reel they released way back when, whenever that was going on. And uh, it's like, good, this is actually a thing. It's actually happening. And then we finally get the trailer and it's The Rock, and it kind of looks like a very rock film. I know nothing about Black Adam. I still haven't seen Shazam, so the idea of us getting this sort of Shazam villain slash Sorry, Shazam what? anti-hero. I still, mate, I own it as, okay, it's a classic Mitch movie, right? I own it. It's in plastic, and I bought it one school holidays because I was going to sit down and watch it with my kids, and I can't tell you how many holiday periods ago that was. But This this weekend, Mitchell, we're doing it. That, that is literally my... My favourite DC film that's been made in the last 20 years. 30 years, maybe, since Batman Returns, right? (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I've heard good things, and and you are a good person to bounce off for this stuff because, yeah, I know how you feel about live-action DC stuff for the last couple of decades. And the fact that you come out of that and uh, and said, you know, yeah, this is actually pretty good. This is really good. And And Brendan, actually said to me as well, I'll be interested, and this is on our Messenger chat, I'm going to say 12, maybe 18 months ago, he said, I'll be very interested to see what you think. And I didn't know how to take that. I didn't know whether he Mm. just assumed that I would like it because I like everything, and he wanted to mock me for that, or that he liked it but didn't think that I would. So uh, I love the trailers, I just never got around to seeing it. There are two DC live-action films that I own on DVD, aside from the Batman quadrilogy. Yes. (laughs) uh, And that's... Shazam and Wonder Woman. That's it. They're the they're the only ones. Yeah, you don't know the first Suicide Squad. That's a that's a surprise. Um, no, no, I mean, and, uh, no, I've got better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, as someone who who hadn't sort of come into, it, I know that Black Adam wasn't in Shazam or anything like that, but just um, knowing how those two characters are related, having not seen that first one, this this. Oh, I don't know how to take it. Like, I, I enjoy the trailer. It's fine. I just didn't get... Uh, it didn't feel like it was connected to any world. And, and I think for a lot of... I'm wondering maybe about a lot of people that come into this that uh, aren't uh, knowledgeable about these, you know, sort of lesser-known DC characters or comic book characters in general, watch this and go, oh, this is definitely a superhero film. This is a DC or a Marvel film because it just kind of looks like The Rock who just happens to have made a fi- like a hand his own yeah. version of Hancock, right? Basically, like, and there isn't even really any connection to Shazam Mm. in the trailer. So it's like, because I I assume he's not even going to be in it, aside from potentially a cameo, like a post-credit scene or something like that. From the looks of it, it's going to take place pre-Shazam because of, you know, it's the Justice Society and stuff like that. So I don't know whether it's going to be like a Captain America period kind of piece because it's like pre-Justice League, it's the old Justice Society. Um, I don't know a huge amount about Black Adam, but I only really know him as he's like he's like the the mirror evil version of Shazam. Mm. And instead of Greek gods giving Shazam his power, Black Adam gets them from Egyptian gods. That's really like... He, he's the Egyptian version of Shazam, who is the Greek version, but it's like... He's just evil. Like mm. he's a bad. He's a bad guy. This trailer seemed to be setting him up more. He even he even calls himself, or someone calls him, like an anti-hero or whatever. Well, he says, I'm "Yeah, like, heroes don't kill people." And he said, "Well, I do." And I'm like, "Oh, that." I was waiting for him to say, "I'm no hero." That that was the line mm. that I was waiting for because 
yeah, I I would probably know less about him than what you do, but that was my big thought going into this was is I mean, one, I maybe Joker is the only one that we've had where we get one of these films that go, we're going to deconstruct the villain. And instead of just deconstructing the villain and keeping them a villain, they just show you a different side of them that realize makes you think, if not realize, that they're actually just the hero that is misunderstood. You know, like mm. where Disney have made, you know, Maleficent or something like that or, or whatever. Or, you know, Suicide Squad's about a bunch of bad guys but because they're the protagonists. Well, they're bad, but they're just doing the, you know, they're good guys, but they do the wrong things or whatever. And then, you know, Joker's, a, I guess, its own separate thing. Whereas I'm like, is The Rock going to make this big budget, big character film? Uh, and if there's a chance that he can be an anti-hero, is he just not going to take that opportunity? Is he instead mm. going to play a fully-fledged villain? I don't think so. And if that's the case, how do they come back from that? How do they get to Shazam 2 and go, we're bringing in Black Adam? And it's like, well, that guy that you grew to love in his own film, well, all of a sudden he's going to be the bad guy. Like, that's, yeah, that's not going to happen. I, I feel like that's that was the outcome anyway because Black Adam was supposed to be introduced in Shazam mm. and they realised that, like... A, I think The Rock pulled rank and went, nah, nah, there's no point squeezing him in. Like, it's not going to be enough. And then the writers went, you know what? Actually, you're right. Yeah. It's not It's not going to do anything to... It's not going to help Shazam to introduce him in that to set him up for something up going. So they said, okay, we're going to give Black Adam his own film. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, from what I can tell from the trailer, like maybe he's going to like join the Justice Society and then realize by the end that he's a bad guy and start doing evil stuff. Like maybe he's he's walking that line through the whole through the whole film or something like that. It didn't hugely jump out at me. I think the thing I'm most excited for is uh, Dr. Fate. Like, to mm. see Dr. Fate in a live action, I'm pretty excited for. And Pierce Brosnan, of all people, to, to play Dr. <laughs> Fate is wild. But yeah, all in all, the the trailer didn't do a lot for me. It was very weird. It was like it's like they were trying to do a Black Panther trailer, and I was like, oh, like that's been done. Do do something different. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm going to see it, but yeah, the trailer didn't do a whole lot for me. But you know, you know me when it comes to trailers, it's like I. I was crying watching the Logan trailer. Then halfway through the actual film, I'm like, oh my God, get me out of here. I'm done. Get me out. I'm sick of it. So I'm very fickle that way. So yeah. you never know. Um, yeah, no, I think I'm the same. Like, it was fine. I literally watched it today before we started recording for the first time and it came out two weeks ago. It just, it's weird after hearing about this movie for what seems like nearly a decade and uh, finally it comes out. I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. It'll be fine. Mm. Um, but I think they're classing it as their first Don't official. Don't you dare see it before you watch Shazam. No, I won't. I will I, I won't. I, I honestly, <laughs> I've got a lot of, we're about to go on, you know, school holidays with the boys and uh, there's a few movies that I'm finally going to make them watch because, uh, you know, my oldest boy's nine. He's nearly 10 and, you know, he's he's not caught up on a lot of things. You know, like Jurassic World's out at the moment and he's... Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, no, Star Wars. I said to him a couple of weeks ago, mate, can we please start watching Star Wars? And he's in the middle of Harry Potter and he said, when we finish Potter and he's got part two of Deathly Hallows to watch uh, this weekend and then he's all mine for Star Wars. And uh, like he keeps saying, like, oh, can we watch Jurassic World? And I'm like, no, bro, you got to start with Jurassic Also, you don't need to watch Dominion, um, but you can watch Jurassic Park first and foremost. And I watched that shit when I was seven. You're nearly 10 and I still question whether you're ready for it. So I've got to make up being a bad parent. Mate, and if he can get through Deathly Hallows, those are fucking dark films. No, that's true. Yeah, I know, but I just... So, like, I think... he's, ready, 
He's ready for Batman Returns at this point. <laughs> I wonder because, like, I think even for someone his age and his generation, I wonder whether he still looks at that and goes, well, that's not real. You know, there's that person mm. didn't really turn into smoke and, you know, shoot lightning at someone. Whereas I reckon a prosthetic animatronic dinosaur raptor ripping someone's throat out, I reckon he might, and it, because of being a creature, I reckon he might just get the shits get out of him. And I'm hoping that he will. I hope that he has nightmares because it's like, bro, you got to grow oh, up. That um, that raptor kitchen scene from yeah. Jurassic Park terrified me as a child. I'm yeah. like, they can fucking open doors? Are you <laughs> joking me? Nowhere is safe. <laughs> hey, there's there's some fun trivia you can, you can tell James, though, now that you've seen the Harry Potter films. Yes. Is when you watch the first Jurassic Park film, the animatronic T-Rex head. Yeah. That is the legitimately same apparatus from the second Harry Potter film for the Basilisk. Which is what's the basilisk? Ba- bas- that big giant snake, the big giant snake. Ah, oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That turn, that petrifies people. There's a shot where the basilisk, like in the second film, Harry Potter's hiding in the sewers, and the basilisk comes through like the shadows and mm. gets up real close to him because it's been blinded. Spoiler it for Harry Potter too. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the same animatronic head from Jurassic Park. Wow, okay, I did not know re- that. That they've recut. It's like the same jaws, same head. They've recoded and turned into the basilisk. Sweet. Yeah, well, thank you. I'll look like a genius relaying that sort of information. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> uh, well, that comes out in October sometime, like 21st. I should have remembered it, but I didn't. But Black Adam, yeah, like, oh, oh I'm the same. Yeah, I'll go Hulk see it. I love The Rock. I'll go see anything with The Rock, really. And, uh, you know, it's it, very much a teaser trailer. Like, we don't get any idea of what this actual movie is about. They sort of tell us a little bit of his history. Cool montage. Pierce Brosnan narrates some of it, you know, a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's fast. He's basically Superman, but not... And cut to credits. So yeah. yeah, hopefully we'll get a little bit more of the ancient Egyptian stuff because you know, obviously we're big fans of ancient Egyptian shit in movies. So it's like hopefully they'll they'll lean in a little bit more towards that and his ancient heritage sort mm. of the, more than we got in the trailer. Yeah, uh, and the other thing. <laughs> It's a, we're not going to talk about it for too long because we don't know the full details. But it's just how can we talk about DC news over the last couple of weeks? How do we not talk about Ezra Miller, Matthew? What the f*** is going wow. on there? The, 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 the great shining hope for DC live action. Oh, my God. Just I know, right? Tailspin. We're just... this close to getting the Flash. Again, it's not been in the works as long. Well, I've, I'm sure iterations of it have, but this particular version hasn't been coming for as long as Black Adam. But when everything else is falling apart and they don't know what they're going to do, with, or at least publicly, what they're going to do with Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck's gone and, you know, people hated Wonder Woman 2 and, well, the Aquaman thing's funny and, oh, what are we going to do? How if Cyborg, obviously, he's not, you know, Ray Fisher's not working with anyone anymore and, well, The Flash. Okay, well, you know what? Let's use The Flash and let's use Flash um, Point, even though we don't want to rush into that storyline, let's kind of do it so that, you know, they can they can retcon the entire, you know, universe and for those that in general didn't like the starter um, version so let's 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 get rid of that and retcon it with the Flash. The Flash we can actually use through a narrative to recast and reset and re- retcon the world. Thank God. While we God. bring back Michael Keaton. Thank God for you, Flash. Wow, what a, what an opportunity! And it's like, yeah, but then in comes Ezra, and every time I see his name pop up, I, I'm, I just imagine <laughs> like the Warner Brothers executives making a call and i just get that scene from liar liar 
And uh, I'm going to put this up on the geek post where he just chops up. Stop breaking the law, asshole! And it's like, it just, it feels a little bit like that because, my God, you just, I, we can barely go a week without hearing about something that this person is doing. And I'm just reading the latest. I just typed it into Google and it says from 24 hours ago, Fantastic Beasts and Flash star Ezra Miller slapped with restraining order by mother of 12-year-old child. A US court has determined there was a, quote, substantial likelihood of immediate danger of harassment. Like, Jesus. As in Ezra's child? The Massachusetts mother who spoke on the condition of anonymity said she and her child met Miller in February through an acquaintance. (gasps) Oh, God. And she seemed friendly. She said Miller at first seemed friendly, but then she soon grew suspicious of Miller's relationship with her child. And then there was that other story last week. They had run off with that teenager or something, and... Uh, all the details around everything's a bit sketchy. You know, I don't know. We're not, we're not here to like legally comment on any of this sort of stuff, and that's not even really what I'm interested in at this point. I just can't see anything but like WB going into their CGI and visual effects department and going. So, how easy is it to completely reface yeah. someone else onto how, Ezra Miller's? Head? How hard is it to turn Ezra Miller into I don't know Lucas Till? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Look, is that, is we, that hard? We like, would like on, to have a say in casting, but what we'll do, we'll provide you 20 actors and whoever you can easily mm. replace their face onto Ezra's head, that's who we're going to cast as the Flash yeah. ongoing. On, on a scale of Mark Hamill in Boba Fett to <laughs> Henry Cavill in mustache in Justice League. How what level of difficulty are we looking at yeah. here? Like what's where are we Oh, it's gotta be untenable at this stage because the reports the other day yeah. that said, well, okay, post the flash, he's he's Warner Brothers are cutting ties. Ezra Miller will not be part of Fantastic Beasts ongoing. I haven't even seen number two or number three. I don't even know I don't remember anything about number one. So I don't know what role yeah, Ezra seen plays. One and two, how they important very much blend together. Yeah. And then um and then there's uh, the Flash as well, which you got to think. Okay, Fantastic Beasts. It's we've one thing for Ezra to be cut out of that franchise because it's such an ensemble. Whereas the Flash, mm. the dude's the Flash, like titular character. Yeah. So I mean, and the the PR machine's just like, oh, remember the simple days when we just had to deal with throwing a chair? Yeah. That was so much simpler. Simpler times, right? But anyway, so... Three uh, months ago. We don't even really need to speak about it that long because something else will happen in the next, you know, seven days, two weeks, whenever it is. I, I might want to bore you with some more DC talk and we can get on and have a bit of a yarn oh, look, about it, but... I, I just can't wait for the Ezra Miller, um, Amber Heard buddy cop film. It's going <laughs> to be amazing. <laughs> The, uh, they can make a sequel to the other guys just called The Outcasts and it's just Ezra and Amber just on a mad tear. Yeah, um, playing themselves. Maybe make them a reality show and we just see which one's left standing um, by the uh, by the end of it. Um, I'm down for that. Yeah. Well, there you go, WB. You can maybe salvage some money somehow by making one of those programs. But, <laughs> oh, God, just... I mean, the movie's not coming out until the middle of next year anyway. I don't know that they're willing to pump in any more money, but I'm like, it would not surprise if they come out and they go, yeah, we're going to re-CGI this person. Like, We're going to reshoot yeah. every scene that Ezra is a part of. And they're all in the Flash as the Flash ongoing. will just be what's left over on the trailers that people have bootlegged because yeah. WB will go in and delete every copy of the Flash trailer that they've got out there. And let's let's just put in Ugly Sonic and see how that goes. <laughs> 
and it would have a voiceover. It would be like one of those shitty um, uh, soaps and come over. The role of the Flash will now be played by Ugly Sonic. <laughs> and then you just never bring it up again. Yeah. All right, Matthew. Well, I'm now going to get into the part of the podcast where I'm actually talking about DC TV. And not only would oh, you... Shh, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> well, through, through something akin to The Flash... I recorded this thought, these thoughts, on episode two of Batwoman season two, I'm going to say close to 18 months ago anyway, so not only can you or do you not want to be a part of it right now, you couldn't possibly because of the lack of time travel. So uh, (laughs) we will bid you adieu, and uh, we'll definitely see you on our our Marvel chats and our Star Wars chats, but uh, who knows when you might pop up on more DC TV talk, buddy. We'll uh, maybe bring you back for a little Gotham Night special. Oof. (laughs) And with that, he was gone. (laughs) Uh, This show, it really needs to dump the early flashbacks. This episode is 10 seconds shy of opening with a flashback that reminds audiences that bats eat rats. Because bats eat rats, Alice. Thanks very much. Now, early on, we actually see that Ryan is someone that Kate's Batwoman had helped in the past, you know, an ambiguous time somewhere in season one. It might actually seem a little bit convenient, but I actually like it for a couple of reasons. One, it's one of the rare cases that we actually see Batwoman, or really any of the heroes from the Arrowverse, in action where it doesn't connect to the story of that particular episode. The rescue of Ryan was clearly just another standard night out for Batwoman, and I feel we don't don't see enough of that you know I, I want to see those normal crimes that these heroes take down and not always to do with some maniacal plot by the villain of the week and two it's actually better motivation for ryan and better explains why she jumped at the chance last week to not only take the suit in episode one but also throw it on and take to being a vigilante even if only for her own personal mission Now, why it was something that we didn't mention last week in one of the many appropriate conversations Ryan had, even with Mary or Luke, who knows? But as I mentioned, convenience. And it's obviously just a matter of convenience for this episode that Ryan had been a previous victim that was saved by Batwoman and potentially not even part of her character's backstory until they came to write this very episode. What is very convenient, though, is that Ryan, like Kate before her, again, also has history with Sophie. Of course she does. Only this time, it's criminal and police officer. Obviously not former lovers. And sure, Sophie may have been the arresting officer or lead detective on a case involving Ryan back in the day, but there is no way that Ryan's going to be brought before Sophie now, even for an attempted armed robbery. Sophie's one of the lead crows. She's not dealing with petty crimes like this, even if it does involve someone that she's previously arrested. So why does the show do it? Same as last week. Everything is trying to rush to get Ryan included in and related to the previous stories and characters. And talk about speed. Sophie mistakenly let slip that Commander Kane had, quote, long lost any connection he had for Alice. And in the next scene, Ryan has figured out exactly who Alice really is. Ryan, what are you doing here? Does your dad know about all this? Somehow I've managed to keep it a secret. Guess that's what your family does, huh? Keeping secrets? I just pulled an all-nighter, so you're gonna have to be a little more clear. 
Alice is Beth Kane, isn't she? Who told you that? Girl goes missing 16 years ago. Nobody's found. The new threesome, though, of Ryan, Mary, and Luke is actually starting to take shape, even just in the second episode. Though I will give the show credit for not having them BFFs immediately following last week. Ryan feels free to drop in to see Mary at her clinic, but doesn't yet feel the most positive of receptions from Mary, though hers is definitely better than Luke's. And I actually appreciate how hostile Luke is with Ryan, and her... I don't know, over-enthusiasm about joining the team. I watch this show with my wife, or I force her to watch with me. It depends on who you ask. And her reaction at the end of both episode one and two was, the stepsister is moving on really quickly. Luke's still holding out hope that Kate will return at any moment. I'm sure Mary is to some extent as well. But having Kate gone means that Luke, and especially Mary, are actually taking a more hands-on role within the show, which I mentioned last podcast. Mary started off season one as the annoying stepsister that you wanted to see less of. Now, despite how quick some of her turnaround might be, she's actually a much better character. Although her apparently secret medical practice seems to be very well known now. Even the police are bringing the infected to Mary at the end of the episode. But don't you dare let Daddy Kane know he couldn't handle it. I don't understand that anymore. I don't understand why that's a thing. I'm here at Gotham City Plaza where citizens have gathered to show their support for that woman who hasn't been seen in Gotham since the Crows ambushed her in Goliath Stadium over a week ago. I kind of find the whole idea of a Batwoman rally kind of hilarious, and that's beyond just the name. It did, though, give Alice the perfect target, but there was no real motive for the citizens to go after the crows in particular at the rally. The news footage that we see as part of the exposition of the episode does show them screening footage of Batwoman's run-in with the crows and the gunfire that ensued from, what, the season finale of season one? And we do see Batwoman in that footage make an escape. So as an audience, I think we really needed some random Gothamite to accuse the Crows, whether in person or via the news cameras, of having secretly imprisoned Batwoman, or even killed her, to justify why the crowd was making such a push. But Mary and Luke agree, Batwoman needs to show up at the rally and warn everyone of Alice's evil plan. And Ryan, again, offers to wear the suit. It's annoying, though, that when in the next scene she drops like a sack trying to make that perfect superhero landing, angry that Luke never told her that the cape is there to slow her descent, despite pulling off that exact move last episode. Oh, and on annoying, Ryan actually stands high up, looking over the rally while Luke and Mary watch Ryan from the cave. Via camera angles that would suggest they have drones flying and following her at all times. I know it's petty, we see this sort of stuff all the time, but it really stuck out here, especially considering how high up they were. You know what I do want to see? Alice's backstory. I know we saw her physically fight Kate last season, but the rooftop battle with Ryan in this episode has me thinking she's had some serious martial arts training. And based on her connection with Sophia, and even the intimate knowledge she seems to have of Julia Pennyworth, Alice seems really connected with the underworld, even beyond that of Gotham. Possibly the stupidest moment of the episode, and just hearing myself say that, I really hope it doesn't become a running segment of the podcast. What is the missing scene that wasn't there because then the show can't do what it ends up doing afterwards? That doesn't really make a lot of sense. But after having her hands around Alice's throat at the end of that fight on the rooftop, pre-ad break, we next see Ryan peering over the ledge of the building, looking toward all of the bats and the bystanders they were attacking at the rally. 
And then we see behind her Alice running away from the rooftop, opening up a door and escaping via the fire stairs. As if Ryan never even tied her up, let alone knocked her down or out. The show needed Ryan to face a dilemma. Catch Alice or save the people of Gotham. But for someone who only wanted to wear the suit to avenge her mother's murder by killing Alice, the idea that Ryan wouldn't have adequately secured her is ludicrous. Like, that stands out so much. It's like the writers honestly had no clue. How do we have a tire up, but then Alice get away so easily? And it's just like, well, let's just not ride it. Let's just skip around that. Now, on the bats, uh, one, oh, isn't it cute that the Batwoman heir apparent is scared of them? How ironic. What? I really hate bats. But two, they say that sci-fi is at its best when it addresses issues of the real world within the context of the fictional show. People have lauded things like Star Trek because of it. Right now, in our current climate around the world, it's prime for ideas. None more so than the coronavirus pandemic. So, how does Batwoman subtly address or adapt COVID-19 into its storyline? By throwing subtlety in the bin, setting the bin on fire and burying the ashes. Because they have just written an episode where there are literal bats flying around infecting people with a literal sickness. But in better news... Just to further what I said before, I'm really enjoying the increased role that Mary has, and I like her growing dynamic with Luke, though her near desperation to see Ryan become the new Batwoman does feel really off. I said at the top, I actually did like that Ryan was a past victim that Kate had saved. That was great. But come to the end of the episode, we see Ryan reading one of Kate's journals to Bruce, where she spoke of a stranger she had rescued that really stood out to her as being a symbol of what Gotham could be. Of course, that was Ryan. Like, why wouldn't she have written about the character that would eventually replace her? That also just feels too much. Only we, the audience, need to see Kate's rescue of Ryan. Kate, having written about it so passionately as if Ryan did anything that truly inspired her, and Ryan having read it too far. And then the scene ends with Ryan opening to a new page and begin penning an entry to Kate. Another example of her doing everything that Kate used to. Just let her be her own character. Even the homeless girl on the street telling Ryan that she was all the Batwoman she needed just felt icky. It, like last week, the messaging is fine. The execution's just killing it a little bit. For me, this episode, it's no better or worse than last week. Things still feel like they're moving just as fast to fit Ryan into Kate's place, but maybe it's more forgivable this time around because it's not the first episode of the new season. Even Luke agrees by the end of this episode that Ryan can play Batwoman, until Kate gets back, that is. Hopefully, the show can just settle down, slow the pace, and just play out as a normal episode next week. In the meantime, subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already. Hit us up on the socials at Get Into Geek on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or drop us a line via getintogeek at gmail.com. If there's something else that you really want to bring up on the show, you got any questions that we can raise... It'll be a one-sided conversation, but I will answer them on the show. We'll catch you back next week for episode three, DC Talk, right here on Get Into Geek.